changing my diet to help manage my endo was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I hated it. I was pissed off about changing my diet. I cried about it for three months. And then it, it took some time to say, all right, I'm ready to do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hey, you guys, this is what happens. Uh, every I'm recording these interviews via Zoom. And if you've used Zoom recently, there's a very aggressive person that says, you are now being recorded. And so I always get a little bit jarred. That's why the beginning of this podcast is always a little bit intense. And I'm laughing because of that. So welcome back to Radically Loved. We have a very special guest on the show today. And she is an author and just an um, I was going to say fucking amazing person. <laughs> you can cuss on the show, by the way. I wasn't oh. sure because I listened to an episode and you said H-E double hockey sticks. And I was like, oh, can you not say bad words on this show? So it's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know if well, one slips out. You know, it, it's funny because I do. I ha It's so random, right? Like I have, I think it depends on who I'm talking to because mm -hmm. I do have some of my family who listens to this, um, they're either on the Catholic side or the Christian side. And so mm, mm -hmm. they sometimes get offended when I curse and they're like, I just wish that you wouldn't say some of the things that you say when the, my little nieces and nephews are in the car, even though they're in the car now that everything's opened up and like, can you just at least give a warning? And I'm like, I can, but <laughs> it's still going to happen. It's yeah. not like I have a, you know, it's not like I'm cursing every five seconds. Anyway, we have the founder of Know Your Endo here. And she was also the podcast host of her own podcast called One Part Podcast. Yeah. And I am excited to have you on the show. And before we started, we were already just chatting like we already hit it off. For, yeah, forever. <laughs> we were having this conversation and and I do want I mean I have a lot of questions just selfishly personally and that is you know, one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, tell me, tell me what I can do to be better. So <laughs> there, that'll happen. But before we go there, um, we're having this conversation about people being interviewing authors or people for our podcast. I I'd love to hear sort of your, I know this is kind of out of left field, no. but your, your process, because I've had so many, I, authors reach out or their publicists reach out and like I hate to say it like this you know it's not like we've have have a huge show but like begging to be on the show yeah and then once the, it's like okay this person seems like they're a really big fan and they they really know like the mm -hmm. people that I've interviewed and and then the minute they come on they're just a little bit indifferent and 
not really familiar with who I am or what I do. And I'm like, you don't need to know my life. I get right. that. But at least know that we have a, we've been doing a podcast for six years and mm -hmm. you reached out to me. <laughs> yeah. So at least let's get a little bit of, you know, some, some semblance of, uh, you know, a interaction because you're here to promote your book. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're or just maybe podcast. a little gratitude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do in situations like that? Because you're, you're coming at it from both ends. You are uh, a founder, you have content that you put out, like this is part of what you do as well, but you are on the both giving and receiving end. So I'm curious, like what you're. Yeah. I feel like I just, I just recently ended my podcast in April after seven years. And I, whenever I got an email that said, I really loved episode 67 when you interviewed so-and-so about the da-da-da. I'm like, you never heard the episode. <laughs> like past. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you can tell automatically if it's an authentic ask. Yes. But I think that I just learned, I think it wasn't until maybe year four of the podcast that I had a rule of thumb. I would only have someone on the podcast if it's someone that I'd want to have lunch with. Because that means I have questions for them. I'm curious. I'd like to get to know them better. I in the past had made mistakes of taking on big names because they were big names. And I was like, Oh, I might get more downloads. And then I got on and I'm like, I actually don't care about this person. <laughs> like I wouldn't, I don't, not that I don't care about their work, but I, they're not someone I'd want to go to lunch with because I almost feel like I know everything about them already, or I'm not curious. So for me, it was always the lunch test. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> that is really good. Yeah. I, I guess I've thought about it, but not in that articulate of a way. Mm -hmm. I always gauge it by, um, like what they're, yeah, what they're passionate about. And I don't, I personally don't care if, uh, they have a million followers or not. Exactly. Because I've, I've had people on the show that have been, that have had huge followings and it, for us anyway, it doesn't necessarily make a difference. It doesn't mm -hmm. move our numbers anyway. It's, and they share it less. The bigger they are, the less that they share. Yeah. So if you've got a movie coming out and you're in, you know, GQ that month, you're not sharing my podcast probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, good, good to know. So practices for those of you aspiring, uh, future guests on the show like definitely do your work and yeah the whole I'm gonna pitch myself because you have a big platform doesn't ever doesn't ever work it's it's such an interesting thing I want to get into I yeah. want to get into my questions for sure but <laughs> but I think this is such an interesting conversation because I don't feel like it happens enough I've not heard people talk about it on podcasts before because this whole idea like how how is what we're we're expressing our issues with this type of system right as yeah. a host of a podcast or a former host of a podcast and I also want to hear why you stopped uh, I'm curious about that <laughs> but but I think the tricky thing too is is you don't necessarily have to have the most famous person but also your neighbor that might be the most interesting person you've ever met they might not also be the best podcast either because yeah, maybe someone's not interested in, you know, maybe they work at a bank and they're super cool, but 
can that person go find out more about them or do they have more that they can learn from that person? Sometimes I think in that case, it's also tricky too. It's like finding that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it just really comes down to what you as the host is investment is like, what is your energy investment into the conversation? Are you interested? I know for a fact I can go back and listen to episodes. I'm not going to say names, but I'm sure you guys know where I've interviewed certain people and I just was not, I was like interviewing a wet blanket. There was like Mm -hmm. nothing. I wasn't getting anything and it just felt very, I was uninterested. And at that point I'm like, why am I even doing this? This isn't, it's not doing anything for me. Like I can't imagine that my listeners are getting something of value out of something that I'm not even interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to use that bank banker example again, like I think once you've sort of built your audience and they know what to expect, like then bring in your neighbor if you want to. Yeah. But I think if you want to build a show, it is helpful to have someone that has some type of platform Yes, that is willing to share. It yes. doesn't have to be huge, but it's like proud of the fact that they came on your podcast and like proud to share the conversation. Yeah. Well, so what happened? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think that, and when I say this, there's no possible way I covered everything, but I felt in a really good place to stop. I mean, I mm-hmm. felt like I've done, you know, three or four gut health episodes. I've done a body image episode multiple times. I've done all of these episodes and I just felt like, I don't know, can I expand on those ideas more that doesn't seem redundant or repetitive? And I also think last summer and last year in general, everything that was happening in our world, I just felt like the amount of time and energy that I put into this podcast, could I be using that time and energy in different ways that could also be productive or helpful to our world? And I I didn't, I felt like maybe it was time to do that. Mm. Now, I don't know what that is yet, (laughs) but it it kind of felt like a good stopping point. And I, 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 you know, I just wrote in a newsletter about the end of the podcast. To me, it's not, you know, closing a door. It's just kind of leaving it cracked open. It's like, okay, you know, who knows what's next, but yeah, the podcast feels like it was a good time to end. Yeah. Oh, that is, you know, it's so interesting because I'm, I was kind of in that spot last year. Mm -hmm. I had, I have another podcast that I did, um, called wise, uh, the wise podcast. It was an acronym for women inspiring success and empowerment. Mm -hmm. And it was a 10 episode series. And it, it was like just once a year here is a very, uh, well thought out, curated experience, Mm -hmm. kind of binge worthy podcast. Because in my mind, I thought I've never actually shared this before, but I thought, okay, I'm going to stop radically loved. And Mm -hmm. I just want to do this, you know, Mm -hmm. but the, the problem with that was that I, I just love doing this so much. And we have such a, we've created such a, a loving and supportive community that the the thing that ended up happening during last fall was I was doing two podcasts like yeah <laughs> so so then that was like okay that's not gonna happen why is season two for those of you that continue to inquire 
Thank you so much. And we will <laughs> launch another 10 episodes at the end of the year. Uh, half of them are already done, but just so you know, that will happen. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know that I'll continue to do it. I did promise a second season, so I will, but it is a lot of work. And I feel like what you're saying, the reason why it, it, it compels me, that feeling of sort of leaving the door open is just kind of nice to just do open the door for something new, really. You're, you're yeah. bringing a, a new energy in. And man, I mean, when you talk about the community aspect, I mean, I think that was the hardest part. I mean, not only did a lot of the guests and I become very, like I, some of my closest friends now are guests that I interviewed and some of really good friends of mine are part of the one part podcast community. So to me, that was the hardest part was kind of leaving these relationships was like, why can't I have those relationships in other ways? Yeah. Yeah. I can. So mm, it's hard. Eh, now I want to do it again, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, I love that. I know. I'm just like, oh. So, okay. Um, you have a new book that just came mm -hmm. out and it's called Know Your Endo. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, an empowering guide to health and hope with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. So you, did you write this during COVID? Correct. <laughs> okay. So, and I, uh, and I like to, I like to note, and if people have heard me on another podcast, sorry, I'll, I'll say it again. I wrote the majority of it in a beach tent in my backyard because I live in a, I lived in a very small house. My son was at home school. There was not one place I could go that was quiet. So I was like, oh my gosh, we've got that beach tent in our trunk. So I set that thing up and it was out there for four months. And I wrote that book in two hour increments in the beach tent. <laughs> wow. Where else are you supposed to go? Like as a writer, it's like you go to coffee shops, you go to a cool hotel or you, there wasn't anywhere to go. So I'm like, I have to write this somewhere. Yeah. Well, how, how did this even, let's go back. I love that we yeah. had this full conversation already. See, it's what happens. You know, when you find somebody and you're just, you're excited and you want to ask them all yeah. the questions, like, how did you even get here? Like what led, what led you to this path to becoming an author and, and talking about something that's very important, very important and, and, and prevalent issue in women's health? Well, so my background is design and I, I'll try to keep the story brief, but my background is in design and I was doing, I owned a paper goods company and I was doing a ton of branding and design for restaurants in Chicago. And at that time I changed my whole life because of my endometriosis. I was supposed to get a hysterectomy uh, about 10 years ago and when I, you know, I say that casually, but I mean, I was not able to get out of bed. Most days I was just in significant pain, fatigue, GI issues every single day. And I started to change my diet. I went plant-based. I started to going to yoga. I started doing all of these things I never thought I would do. And through that, when I was working with all these restaurants doing design and branding, they would oftentimes give me a payment plus credit. And so there was one restaurant I had $3,000 credit at, but I could eat nothing at the restaurant because at that point I had gone completely plant-based to, it was the one thing that made my endo feel better. And so I thought of this idea, I thought, what if, and this was, you know, 10 years ago before every restaurant had a plant-based right. option. I was like, 
what if we could have one plant-based option at a lot of these restaurants because they're like the best restaurants in Chicago. And I'll call the program one part plant. And so I got those restaurants to agree to do it. And that sort of turned into a website that turned into a book. And so I wrote this cookbook, one part plant, and I included one page in it about endometriosis. Cause I thought if I have this giant platform with Harper Collins to write a book, I'm going to include a page about endometriosis and the amount of people, Oh, it's like, I always cry at this, but like the amount of people that messaged me and said that page got me diagnosed or this was the first time I had seen all of my symptoms on one page. This is the first time I've ever felt seen. It's like, oh man, I don't want to write another cookbook because a cookbook should not be diagnosing people. Yeah. <laughs> so I started Know Your Endo as a really just an informational website where people could go and just have, you know, these are the symptoms of endometriosis. This is what it is. And then that really turned into the book. It's a long story, but that's how I got here in a very weird way. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love that. I because it's always so fascinating to me how our path leads us to where we need to be and and where we can be if we're open most of service. I'm such a huge fan of being of service and being open to sharing any insights that you may have and you know for me like growing up in East LA during the LA riots mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and having PTSD, all of those things really led me to this place of wanting to learn about yoga and meditation and mindfulness and healthy eating so I can educate people that were like me that grew up feeling like they were ungrounded, like they didn't have a place, like they didn't have a choice to mm. do things differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so I used that as a way to guide me to where I am now. And, you know, it's something like that one page in that cookbook to be the catalyst to create now this full collection, now this guide for women um, who are, are struggling with this or suffering from endometriosis, which, yeah, like now there's, I mean, I feel that these conversations are being had more prevalently mm -hmm. now I, I've talked about this not at length here on the podcast but I've, I've definitely um, written a couple of, of blogs about it um, as a blogger <laughs> um, no I've, I've written some as a way to just like process these things but having mm -hmm. some uh, issues with fertility and not mm -hmm. having hormonal imbalance and all of these different things that happen um, it's still such a shameful thing to go through, right? As women, people, you know, women, friends of mine that have endometriosis, like there is still so much of that shame around not being yeah. able to have a normal functioning body, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's shame, there's anger, there's a lot of emotions. And I think what presents a problem for so many people with endo is, you might share with your doctor and then you're told misinformation. You're told like just the other day, I'm a very informed person about my body. I went to this gynecologist that I will no longer be seeing, 
but I was telling him about, you know, I think that I'm having some hormonal things happening with weight gain and I'm definitely perimenopause and I would love to get a hormone test. And he said, why don't you join Weight Watchers? Stop. (laughs) And I, you know, Weight Watchers is a great thing for a lot of people. I mean, back in the day, like I did it, I lost, you know, I learned whatever. I was so shocked that that was his response because he said, if you, if you're having normal periods, you're not having a hormone issue. And so in, you know, in my book, Know Your Endo, there's so much talk about advocacy. It's standing up for yourself. It's saying actually dot, dot, dot. But in that instance, me advocating for myself was finding a new doctor because Mm. I don't want to discuss why that is so inappropriate for you to say to me. I don't want to discuss with you how I can have hormonal issues, even if I have a normal period. So it was just, it's so interesting that even if you write a book on endo, even if you're so informed about your body, you can still with endo be told you should join Weight Watchers. Right. You should get pregnant. You should, yeah. you should. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you said something very key. You said, I'm very educated about my own body. And mm-hmm. I feel that that is where we're not empowered enough as young women. We're not educated enough as young women. Mm-hmm. When I was going through this process about learning about my own body and the hormonal issues that I still have, um, learning all about fertility and infertility and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. I was so, I was really angry at not Mm -hmm. knowing how my own body functioned. I'm like, I am 36 years old at the, at the time, Mm -hmm. 35, 36 years old. And I don't know how my body works. That's embarrassing, you know? And, and to me, yes, there is, we shouldn't be embarrassed. We shouldn't feel Mm -hmm. shame about not knowing how our body works. But I, I did feel a little bit of that, like, oh, like, why don't we know this? Why don't we know this information? Um, so I think it's, it's a hard thing, right. To, to think like, even with mindfulness or meditation, I think, wow, I wish I would have, I wish I would have learned this sooner. I wish I would have learned this in school. We are mostly drawn to things that we need. And so I feel that, you know, the process is the process, how you're led to that place of learning, whether it's through, um, by chance or through crises, however you end up in that place, I think is perfect. Like you're here, you know, And I think too, I think for a lot of us, we might learn the information, but then it's not until one or two years later that we're like, all right, I'm going to take that and start implementing it. We're not always ready to, to make change. I mean, changing my diet to help manage my endo was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I hated it. I was pissed off about changing my diet. I cried about it for three months. And then it, it took some time to say, all right, I'm ready to do this. Like, it's okay if you're not ready to like upend your entire life to make change. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Summer is almost over and I cannot tell you again how incredible it's been to be able to work out at home 
especially with everything that's been going on right now. And I said this before, I don't think I'm ever going back to the gym. Now, I wasn't a big fan of working out with weights, mostly because I didn't actually know what to do with them. But Tonal has made it so easy to reach my goals with all of the coach-led workouts. My yoga practice has gotten so much stronger since I've had the Tonal installed in our house. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in. It has a sleek design and looks just like a TV on your wall. There's no bulky weights or racks, and it goes up to 200 pounds of resistance. My favorite thing is that you can really take it at your own pace. So whatever level you're at and whatever your goals are, Tonal has the program for you. So try Tonal today for 30 days risk-free. Visit www.tonal.com. And to get $100 off of the smart accessories, use promo code ROSIE at checkout. That's www.tonal.com and promo code ROSIE. Tonal will help you be your strongest. You you talk about this in the book. You talk about misinformation. And so yeah. what are the 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 biggest misconceptions that we have or the misinformation that's out there in in this um, space? Yeah. Well, and just really quick, I just want to say what endometriosis is just in case someone's listening and they don't know. It's when the type of lining that grows in your uterus grows outside of your uterus. So it's the type of tissue and that can create GI issues. It can create painful periods, painful sex, uh, fatigue. And, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions when we're talking about that is, is people think that if you have endo, you have to have painful periods. Not everyone with endo has painful periods. And in fact, a lot of people that don't have painful periods, they're not diagnosed with endo until they're going through fertility issues because their doctor for however long, if they complained of other symptoms are like, well, you don't have endo because you don't have painful periods. That's a huge misconception. So it's, uh, <laughs> another huge misconception is that pregnancy is a treatment for endo. Yes. You can like make all the faces because people are still being told that it's wow. disturbing. <laughs> Like I, if you go onto the know your endo Instagram account today, anytime that this topic is brought up, someone's like, oh yeah, my doctor told me that last week. It's not a treatment for endometriosis. What happens is, is that for a lot of people that have kids, they're not getting their period right for that period of time that they're pregnant. And then after, if they're breastfeeding. So yeah, a lot of their symptoms have been manageable but a lot of that's not the case for a lot of people. And also a baby is not a treatment for something. And it's incredibly hurtful for people to hear this because a lot of people with endo have fertility issues. So you're telling someone to get pregnant that might have fertility. It's just, it's very, it drive. That is one of the, the ones that makes me the most upset. That is, how do you get, di how do you get diagnosed for endometriosis? Like, do you have to request this? Is this a test? Like, yeah. So, and that's another misconception is people say, you know, I got diagnosed through a blood test or through an ultrasound. You can definitely have a high level of suspicion <clears throat> to have endo through an ultrasound or through an MRI, but those a true diagnosis has to be done through a laparoscopic surgery. So they go through your belly button, they take tissue, they, they biopsy it. And that's a true diagnosis. 
So anyone that it's ever been told you have endo through any other type of test, it is not a diagnosis. Wow. Wow. And so to get to that point, right? Because the average diagnosis time for endo is eight to 10 years. So eight to 10 years, you're trying to find a diagnosis for what's wrong with you. Then you get to the point where you have to sometimes convince someone to give you the diagnostic surgery. So it's, it's 10 years, eight doctors is the average time for diagnosis. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So what do, what can women do if they suspect, I mean, do they, do they, is this the process that they have to go through currently? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, oh my gosh, I, I get just actually the friend's house that I'm recording this podcast at Yeah, her daughter is 14 and she was telling me how her daughter's friend had couldn't play lacrosse because she was in so much pain and because of her period. And she was like, it gave her mom your book. And when she left, I started crying because I was thinking, oh my gosh, what if teenagers <laughs> like will start getting start getting diagnosed with this at a young age so they know in their teens, in their 20s, even in their 30s, that they know what is happening inside of their body. Mm. Because I mean, so many of us, I mean, it's rare to meet someone that got diagnosed as a teen or in their 20s. Like most people are getting diagnosed late 20s and 30s. So <clears throat> I think, you know, a huge thing is, is I think going to my website, picking up the book and looking at the list of symptoms, because the list of symptoms are so shocking to so many people because they're not necessarily related to what you would think is a period issue. And I'm using period in quotes. If someone's listening, not watching this, um, you know, like fatigue, fatigue is a huge symptom of endo. A lot of people with endo don't know that they just think they're lazy or unmotivated GI issues. 90% of people with endo have GI issues. So you know, you're going to your doctor because of your GI issues. You're not going to your gynecologist. You're going to a GI doctor. So, you know, it's, I I think just being very aware of all of these symptoms. And and even if you're able to track, you know, when are your GI symptoms? Are they closer to your period? Are they closer to when you're ovulating? Do you have ovulation pain two weeks before your period? You know, there's, there's a lot of symptoms that I don't think we connect because we're only told it's painful periods. Right. So there's not, wow, it it just is such a lack of knowledge, right? We just don't. I think it's really a matter of asking the right questions and tuning into your body. And we spend so much of our lives tuning out of our body and being Mm -hmm. distracted. So it takes a, a, a very diligent effort to inquire within and to observe and track your body and pay attention to your cycles and be able to see the difference and the subtle, uh, those subtle awarenesses. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's also realizing that, you know, I, a lot of people with endo have a grandma or a mom or an aunt that has endo undiagnosed. And so you see that as your, you know, quote unquote, period role model. And so if you see your mom or your grandma or aunt in debilitating pain every month, you're like, oh, well, that's what periods are like. So there's so many people with endo. I mean, myself included that I just thought that was normal to be debilitated. Like that's just 
that's just the norm. And so it's interesting when people always, people ask me a lot, well, what was your journey to getting a diagnosis? It's like, there wasn't a journey because I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I just thought it was normal to be blackout drunk during your period, not actually drunk, but I felt drunk because I was blacked out. Yeah. (laughs) That is a great description. So anybody who has those same symptoms, definitely pick up the book and um, inquire within what, what, sorry. Yeah. What are you focusing on now? What, what is your, what is the biggest focus of your energy currently? Uh, watching the challenge and eating cake. Yes. <laughs> no, I, yes. I heard a, I heard a podcast episode of yours oh. uh, when you were just like, sometimes I just got to watch TV. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm really into the challenge right now. Um, I hadn't watched the challenge in like 15 years. Do you know the challenge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's on MTV, right? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I, I don't watch MTV really. And on Hulu, I saw that they had three like newer seasons and I looked, I'm like, CT is still on here. Like Johnny bananas is still, it's like a lot of the same people. <clears throat> so, um, I'm, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not, um, I'm watching a lot of the challenge, but I think, <clears throat> you know, I wrote this book and I think a lot of people write books and I don't think that they all have this experience. This book wiped me out in terms of, um, my own relationship with endo, my trauma from <laughs> all the things that I've endured with endo. I, I don't write a lot about a lot of them in the book because I really want this to be a guide for others. But, you know, <clears throat> I was really had a lot of peace with my endo before writing this book and, writing it in that little tent in my backyard, like a lot of stuff that I wasn't anticipating, Mm. like bubbled up to the surface. Um, and now that the book is out, I'm incredibly grateful to hear other people's stories, but that I'm kind of living other people's traumas a lot every day too. So, uh, I'm kind of just taking June and July and that's, I know that's a huge privilege, but I'm kind of just taking it to figure out what's next. Yeah. Oh, that's because good. I, I don't think I could, I, there's no way I could another write another book on this topic. There's no way. Yeah. So I, that would have been my follow-up question is how do you take care of yourself? Besides the challenge. Um, so I love my sauna blanket. Uh, I love jumping on my little trampoline. I, I'm, I'm actually very good at taking time for myself and saying, Hey, cause I have a, a husband and a son and right now we're living in like a 300 square foot hotel room. Cause we don't have a house right now. We moved out. We sold our house and we didn't know it would sell so fast. We didn't know it would be so hard to find a new one. <laughs> so we're, we're living in a little hotel room right now. And that is saying, Hey, can you guys leave this room for an hour, <laughs> please? <laughs> <laughs> and they understand. I mean, I think it's so important whether you have a chronic illness or not, but especially if you have a chronic illness to take some time for yourself and say, can I please be alone? I am not afraid to ask for that. Hmm. It's like my number one tool is to be alone for an hour. What is, 
what is something somebody can do aside from reading your book and obviously mm-hmm. like educating themselves about their own body um, for the women listening to this right now um, or even husbands uh, yeah. or men who have women in their lives who are going through this. What is the number one thing that you think should be expressed to women living with endometriosis? Uh, I'm going to cry again. I just, I think the thing that, and it sounds so cliche because I think it's like the tagline of so many things. It's like, you are not alone, but truly that you are not alone in this and that there is someone else that has peed their pants before. There is someone else that has bled through their pants. There is someone else that has not been able to get up off the bathroom floor. Like this, like, like I wish that was a unique experience, but it's not. And, and I think that being able to find someone else that has had that experience. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times when we talk about community and we talk about the Indo community, for me, it's not, you know, getting on a call and talking about an hour about how horrible my endometriosis is. It's getting on a call with someone and talking about whatever we want to talk about, because I understand that they understand that we get it. Like we understand each other, like what we've been through. So I think having at least one person in your life that also has a chronic illness Mm -hmm. can be huge. And you don't even have to talk about the chronic illness but they get it. And I think on the other side of it, of how to support the people in your life that are going through something, I always say this, it's like, please do not send me a text that says you got this, or, you know, it could be worse or, but you have a great life. It's like, when you're in it, that's not supportive. Like say, can I bring you dinner or just say, I love you. Like, I I think that we, there's a really, really great book called, I think it's called, we need to talk or I'll send you the link and you can include it in the, in the show notes, but it's by Celeste Headley. And it talks about how to truly be empathic to other people. Hmm. And I learned so much from that book about it's not comparing how it could be worse. It's not comparing it to your own experience. It's just saying, wow, that sucks or wow, I love you, or wow, you're so strong. It's just, I don't know. I think having true empathy is a game changer. Yeah. I love that so much. I mean, this has been such an enlightening conversation. I definitely learned a lot. um, And there are so many great insights that you provided that is going to make it um, so beneficial for me to interact with the people in my life that have endometriosis. So thank you so much for all the work that you do and for all the content that you put out there. I think it's serving such a huge community and it's definitely a conversation that we need to continue to have. Where can people go for more information? Yeah, you can go to jessicamarnan.com or knowyourendo.com. And we will include all of those links in the show notes. So be sure to hit that info button wherever you get your podcasts and all of those links will be there. And don't forget to share this with your friends or people that you know that can uh, gain value from listening to this conversation. But Before I let you go, Jessica, I'm going to ask you the final question (laughs) that I ask all of my guests. How do you feel radically loved? I think I'm going to say by taking that hour to myself. 
I love that you said that because I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you. No, they cut me off. I like it. (laughs) No, because I think it's so important what you said about how do you take care of yourself is you're not afraid to ask for space and for time. And I think that is one of the biggest things that, especially as women, we're conditioned to acquiesce to everybody else's demands. And so to be able to very unapologetically ask for what you want, I think is is a huge thing. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, one of the first lines in the book is if you have endometriosis, taking care of yourself needs to be your number one priority. And it sounds selfish, but if you can make yourself a priority, everything else is easier. You are a better friend, a better parent. You're just better at everything. I think. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that, for sharing and for being here. Thank you for being part of our community. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing and to continue to educate everybody else out there, to be supportive, to be understanding and empathetic to the process of so many women out there. Thank you so much. Thank you. So everybody listening, thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to, to did I ever say subscribe, rate, and review? Maybe I already said it. No, you didn't remember. say it. Okay, good. Say it. Subscribe, rate, and review <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share this with everyone. I know I said that for sure, but that's just me trying to really have you share it with everybody. So thank you so much, everybody listening. And thanks again. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.